Merry Christmas, everybody. Good to have you here. Merry Christmas. My favorite line in the movie is when Clark says, worse, how can it get any worse? Take a look around you, Ellen. We're at the threshold of hell. This is the holidays, and uh, if you haven't figured out already, they got me too. Uh, the germ-back grandchildren gave me a virus, and I can barely talk. That's how it goes at the holidays, right? I, uh, I have uh, three daughters. We, uh, we raise our daughters in the same house we live in, nice 2,600-square-foot house in Mokina, great for three daughters. Now they all got married, and so they want to sleep with their husbands when they come home for Thanksgiving, and they brought their five grandchildren with them. So our house went from five people to 13 people over the holidays, okay? It's like 10 months out of the year, we're like, we don't need this house. Two months out of the year, we need to build a bigger house, right? That's how it goes. So I had a grandchild in my closet all week, okay? And, and part, part, different ones at different times. Part of the problem was one of the grandchildren brought the RSV virus into the household unknowingly, uh, which is no big deal. I mean, it's what I got right now probably, and adults have it, but it's dangerous for old people like my 81-year-old parents who were there and babies like my two-and-a-half-month-old brand-new granddaughter. So we're trying to play like, you know, hide the virus and, and keep the kids away from each other. If you saw my video on Facebook or, or Instagram or whatever, we do this uh, family thing where we sing the doxology together. If you notice, my granddaughter has a mask on because she's like, they're trying to keep the germs away. This is my grandson wearing his mask. Um, Nana made it look like a transformer mask, so he wore it all the time. So that part worked out really good. That's just how it goes at the holidays. You know, things are never going to go the way they're supposed to go, which is why Christmas Vacation is my favorite movie. Die Hard is close second. Christmas Vacation, my first. Okay, and, and I know some of you are like, you know, you're, you're, you're part of you people. You're like, ah, yeah, that's PT. That makes sense. Some of you are new. Somebody invited you and said, come sit with me. And uh, you're like, I'm really nervous right now. This doesn't seem right. And, and please, it's not right. Okay. So there are other churches you can go to, but we're, we're glad that you're here. We welcome you. And, and Christmas vacation is PG-13, but like I still skip through scenes of it with my 30-year-old, you know, children. So I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not promoting the movie. I'm just saying what I love about it is that nothing goes right. Sometimes he says you got to get by with a little help from Jack Daniels, and it seems like that's what's going on at the holidays. But here's what's interesting about it. I challenge you to go back and reread the Christmas story and look at the insanity of the Christmas story itself. It starts with this guy named Zechariah, who is Jesus' uncle, as it turns out, and he's praying for a son <coughs> who's going to be John the Baptist, and, and, and the angel shows up and says, hey, God's heard your prayer. Congratulations. Um, of course, you're not going to be able to speak for the whole pregnancy, and your son, John the Baptist, is going to be a crazy lunatic who's going to live in the wilderness and eat bugs and get beheaded by a crazy king in his early 30s, but God has answered your prayer. Does that sound right? Has God answered your prayer that way? Not exactly like you thought? And then we get to this part where we, you know, we, we think about it all the time. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. This all sounds familiar, right? And the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So Mary should go, what? Yay, this is awesome, right? No, Mary was greatly troubled at his words, okay? Really important. 
greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Well, I'll tell you what kind of greeting, Mary. You are so favored by God that you get to raise his son, which sounds cool. Of course, what we're not telling you is that everyone, including your fiance for a little while, is going to assume you are promiscuous. Nobody's going to believe this Holy Spirit thing. And when he grows up, nobody of importance is going to believe in him. She couldn't have processed this, could she? And they will hate him, and they will actually kill him. And P.S., you're going to have the baby 80 miles from here in Bethlehem, and you won't go there until you're great with child. And soon after that, <coughs> you're going to have to run off to Egypt because the king is going to want him dead as a baby, and basically your son will be on the most wanted list for most of his life. You see, if you start to process the story that way, it sounds kind of like a National Lampoon movie, right? I mean, if Mary was greatly troubled in the beginning, in the first part, it's a good thing the, the angel didn't unpack the whole deal for her. And that's why God rarely gives us the whole story. But you keep going and you get to the baby dedication. They take Jesus to the temple. And, and Simeon, this guy who's hanging out of the temple, blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising, falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul also. Nice baby card, Simeon. <laughs> Maybe just congrats on the new baby next time. You know what I'm saying? See, there, again, the reason that I love Christmas Vacation movie, the reason I love this is, and this is the 30th anniversary, by the way. Today, it came out 30 years ago today. The reason I love it so much is because we always have our plans and we think it's always going to go the way we think it's always going to go, but it never does. My all-time favorite screwed-up Christmas story a woman wrote, I was taking a shower when my two-year-old son came into the bathroom and wrapped himself in toilet paper. He made a mess, but he looked so adorable, I ran for my phone and took a few shots. They came out so well that I had copies made and included one in each of our Christmas cards. Days later, a relative called about the picture, laughing hysterically and suggesting I take a closer look. Puzzled, I stared at the photo and was shocked to discover that in addition to my son, I had captured my reflection in the mirror wearing nothing but my phone. <laughs> Merry Christmas, right? Think about your story, because the, the problem that I have with this time of year is we all try to be holly and jolly, and it'll be like a picture print from Courier and Ives and all that kind of stuff. But it's never going to go that way. And you may be walking in here, you may be watching me on Facebook Live or, or wherever you are today, and your kids... Maybe they didn't eat bugs, but you can relate to the parents of John the Baptist. <clears throat> Maybe it's not a virgin birth thing for you, but it was not planned like you thought. And maybe these children produced um, some times in your life where your soul was pierced. Perhaps a, <coughs> excuse me, a different kind of physical pain, but real suffering and real pain that changes your life and hampers you. Externally imposed pressure, not from Caesar Augustus to go to Bethlehem, but from somebody, from the government, from an employer, from an aging parent, from an adult child moving back in, parents on your back, whatever it is. Maybe you weren't shunned because of an unplanned pregnancy, but you do come to this point right now and you're like, man, I don't feel like there's any room for me in the end either. 
Maybe it's not an abrupt move on a donkey, but you just don't feel like you fit in where you're supposed to be. I mean, we think about this trip to Bethlehem, and and I talk about it often because it's a long trip, but do you realize the rest of it? When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. It sounds like, you know, okay, whatever. I mean, the Christmas story is kind of over, so we quit here. Stay there until I tell you because Herod is going to search for the child and try to kill him. So he got up and he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so is fulfilled what the Lord said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. But do you you understand what that looks like? Right? They're from Nazareth. They have to go 80 miles to Bethlehem to have the baby while she's great with child. They have the baby. Herod finds out he's been tricked by the wise men. And they have to flee to Egypt. Where's Egypt? It's the other way from home. It's a long, long way from home. And if this is starting to sound like how Christmas usually goes for you, then you're in good company. What I'm saying is if Mary was greatly troubled by the angel's words, how do you think she felt after Jesus was born? My question is, she signed up for this gig. Was there ever a time during, during Jesus' 33 years when Mary was not greatly troubled? Until that moment where she meets another angel at the empty tomb at resurrection, and he says, he is not here, he is risen. Her whole life, her whole Christmas story was really hard. It'll really be like a picture print from Courier and Ives. That's what we sing. This is a picture print from Courier and Ives. But that guy's got to chop the wood. And there's snow. And we don't have any idea what's going on in this guy's life over here in the barn. And we have no idea what's going on in the house. This is what I'm talking about. The reality is Christmas lights are not going to work. Your family's going to visit and drive you crazy, maybe give you an illness. The Jelly of the Month Club is, is going to be your Christmas bonus. There's going to be financial stress. Dogs are going to drink the water out of the tree and dig through your trash. Squirrels are going to happen. Cats are going to chew the wire and get trashed in your furniture and get fried underneath your furniture. I love that. Let's watch that scene again. I love that scene so much. Just kidding, cat lovers. (laughs) This is what I'm talking about, okay? As we head into the holiday season, and guys, just one more thing to make it a little bit harder on you. This is the latest Thanksgiving can ever be. You understand that? This is not just the weekend after Thanksgiving. It's December 1st. Well, it's like Christmas is in a week. I mean, I swear that's what it feels like to me. So understand as we head into this, I want to take a little time to plan ahead and to help you figure out how to manage the expectations and the stress that are probably coming your way so that you're prepared for it as we go into it. And so when we roll the video, I'll also roll to a video when I've got a better better voice and and we'll go at it like this. How to guard your perspective about Christmas. And we'll use scenes from the movie to do this. The first one is you've got to adjust your expectations. I should have already done that for you by now, but this is what I'm talking about. And you people know who I'm talking to. Denise, Rachel, Lauren, and Rebecca, you know who I'm talking to. Adjust your expectations, okay? This is one of my favorite scenes. It's like going to the movies, guys. 
if everybody tells you the movie's going to be great, then you go and it might not live up to it, right? But if you haven't heard of the movie, you're pleasantly surprised, right? Just understand, this is all I'm saying, just understand that everything's not going to adjust your expectations. It's not going to work like you thought it was going to. Number two, restrict your holiday schedule. I mean, as much as you can control it, do you need all those lights? 25,000 imported Italian Christmas lights. Do you need that? Do you need to go to that party? Do you have to go to that activity? Can you buy your presents on the internet? You know, we do that these days. Do you need all those things? I want to challenge you right now, wherever campus you're listening to me, online, whatever, if you're sitting by your significant other or family member, off the top of your head right now when I say go, tell them something you think you should cancel. Are you ready? One, two, three, go. Who said your mom coming? I heard you. Just, just don't do it, okay? Will the planet keep on spinning? Yes, of course. Call in sick. Do whatever you have to do, just lower your expectations, adjust your expectations, restrict your holiday schedule, cancel some stuff, and budget your spending. <laughs> Here's my favorite picture. At Christmas time, this guy made a, a really cool Walmart truck, don't you think? I mean, th this is what starts to happen to us. The financial pressure gets huge. It's a big distraction at Christmas. Just don't spend money you don't have. Maybe then, if you get the Jelly of the Month Club Christmas bonus, it really will be the Christmas gift that keeps on giving. Here's what you need to understand. Put that back up here. I want, I want you to see it again. When you budget your spending... You're preparing yourself to adjust your expectations. You see, all of this is about budgeting, really. Budget your expectations, budget your schedule, budget your spending. And when you start to do that, then you can roll into Christmas a lot better than you would if it was Christmas vacation. And, and, and hey, I want to encourage you on your year in giving here. We need your help as we finish the year, and it's important. Go back and listen to my sermon from two weeks ago about the amazing stuff that this church is doing. Over $2 million given to international missions work last year alone between our child sponsorships and our church giving. 95 tons of food we gave just a couple of weekends ago to the food pantries. 431 baptisms this year. Isn't that awesome? I mean, all of that stuff that God accomplished through your giving is great. But what excites me about generosity is how generosity changes me. That's the whole point. When we stop focusing on the next thing that we need to buy and start focusing on being generous and laying up treasure in heaven, it begins to change us. And we start to understand what Jesus meant when he said, where your treasure is, your heart will be. All right? So budget, budget, budget. Focus on the needs of somebody else. I love this. <laughs> you know what? The truth of the matter is, however stressed out your Christmas is, and however much stuff you don't think you have, there's probably somebody that you know that has less than you. There's probably a cousin Eddie who's living in his recreational vehicle. There's probably somebody that you know, and if there's not, we partner with 30 different organizations as a church. We'd love to help you. What if you worked on a Christmas Eve service together? We've got 25 of them. By the way, don't forget to get your popcorn and invite somebody and say, come sit with me. We need some help on that. What if you did that? I mean, what if your rooted group got together and went and served somewhere? What if 
with your small group? What if you went to serve as a family together? Again, we'll help you with that if you need to. What if you're single? You want to meet a guy at the bar or do you want to meet a guy serving the homeless? You know, I know several married couples that we have who met while they were doing children's ministry. I'm just going to ask you, do you want to meet a guy who's you know, good with kids? No, I want to meet a guy who can do five Jaeger bombs. No, really. What are you looking for? Okay. I'm just saying there's always somebody that needs you and that's going to give you the spirit of Christmas. Number five, leave some time for deep reflection. (laughs) It's funny every time. I don't care what you say. Uh, Look, it might not even be till after Christmas. It probably won't be for those of us who work here and are doing 25 Christmas Eve services, but when you're budgeting, you've got to budget some time for reflection. Budget some time when you can just get away from it all. It was an accident for Clark. He got locked in the attic, you know, but he had this moment where he remembered. And remember how we talked about with anxiety, it's really important that we list the things we're thankful for. That doesn't happen unless you take some time. Maybe every morning you stop and have a little chair time and say, what is it that I'm thankful for? What what is it that I can remember about all of this stuff? And... Last, make some Christmas memories. I'm just going to give you these from a family standpoint because I realize I'm starting this over again. Now that we've got five grandkids, it's time to start like doing these things over. It's been, been a while since we haven't had to worry about it. Let me give you some practical ideas. Like number one, make a birthday cake for Jesus and... Because it's his birthday, I don't know, we kind of lose that around, you know, the whole deal, don't we? Make a birthday cake for Jesus and then take it to someone who might need it, you know? Go take it over to somebody and say, hey, we made this for Jesus, but he doesn't eat cake and, you know, he's gluten-free. Here you go. You can have it. Just whatever you do, don't bring it to the church offices, all right? I will, uh, you'll find a horse's head in your bed if you do that. I'm just telling you. Number two, a Jesus stocking, okay? A Jesus stocking. Like, okay, you put up stockings for everybody else. Where's Jesus's? And in the Jesus stocking, you put objects or, or a drawing or whatever or a note signif- signifying something that you want to give to God in the coming year. You with me? Something you want to give to God in the coming year, a spiritual resolution that you want to make or, or you know, a, a service thing that you want to do or some, something like that, some tangible way you want to use your gifts in a way that will, and you can symbolize it somehow in that, in that deal, okay? How about caroling? We used to do this with our kids every year growing up. We'd make cinnamon bread, you know, bubble loaf, she called it, and we would take it to somebody who needed us, maybe a shut-in person or somebody who had a hard year or lost some and we would just sing Christmas carols and deliver it and make it happen. It was a big, meaningful part of my kids growing up, and we'll probably start doing it again once we get out of the baby stage, which may never happen for us. Number four, reading the Christmas story. I mean, seriously, do you just get up and start opening presents on Christmas? How about if you go, whoa, 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 it's Jesus' birthday. Let's read the Christmas story. There's a novel idea. Um, five, pick out one of the Christmas cards that you have received. Um, those are kind of going away because nobody sends mail anymore, but you probably still get some. And pray for the person who sent it. Like every night when you have dinner, because that's super important as a family for you to have dinner, you pull a card out of the basket, I mean, for the rest of the year, and you pray over those people. And, and lastly, obviously, attend a Christmas Eve service as a family. 
And, and again, invite somebody to come with you. You could come to two services. We're not going to, you know, dock your pay. Okay, I'm just telling you right now. I mean, that's why we have 25. Because some of you come more than once. And tell them, come sit with me. Remember? Come sit with me. That's the language. Really, really, really simple. The angel went to her, Mary, and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Then the angel tells, you know, about Elizabeth, her cousin, being pregnant and says this, no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May it be to me as you have spoken. And the angel left her. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, the whole cosmic salvation plan for the universe comes down to the response of an unwed teenage Jewish girl. It does make you wonder what big plan of God comes down to you submitting, saying, may it be to me as you have spoken. God brought a miracle to her, let it grow in her, to be delivered through her, to change the world around her. But it happened through her daily surrender to a life that didn't turn out the way that she planned. If you're working, looking for a word for that, it's called faith. As a matter of fact, the, the reason we hold Mary in such high esteem is because of her faith. Her story never did work out the way that she thought it would. And I was thinking about this. Even with the most disastrous of Christmas movies, they usually resolve themselves at the end, right? I mean, if my wife is watching one of those incredibly lame Hallmark Christmas movies, there are always problems, you know, like, oh, I don't have a boyfriend, so I'll kidnap one and bring him home for the holiday. Seriously, that's a movie called Christmas in Handcuffs. I can't make this up. But they always resolve themselves on the Hallmark channel. They obviously fall in love, right? Even in the movie Christmas Vacation, there's that touching, touching scene at the end of the movie where, where they're singing the Star-Spangled Banner, right? And, and Santa's sleigh, show, show the picture, there it is. Oh, just gets me every time, right? Santa's sleigh and the reindeer have been blown through the sky from sewer gas. It's just a touching moment. But the only Christmas movie that never resolves itself is the real one. And that's because it's not quite time yet. He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. But what kind of kingdom? What kind of kingdom? For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
That's usually where we stop, right? Prince of peace. The prince of peace, the literal Hebrew word there of prince is sar. It means commander. It means the Lord. So, so if peace, shalom, mean, it get, get means rest, right? Tranquility, wholeness, completeness. Then Jesus is the commander of rest. He's the prince of tranquility. He's the Lord of wholeness. It seems to indicate that there's someone else in charge calling the shots. Remember when we talked about this in Philippians 4, we rejoice in the Lord, that the Lord is near. And if you didn't hear that series on anxiety, you need to hear it. It's a peace that transcends all comprehension, but it's not based on circumstances. It's based on calm. And we usually stop right there at Prince of Peace, right? Mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Those of you that know Handel's Messiah, you know there's more, right? Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. And he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. On David's throne and on his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. Okay, so, so the whole thing hasn't fully come to, to fruition yet. The kingdom of Jesus isn't fully here yet. It started here. We're supposed to bring it here. We're supposed to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because it's not quite yet. And our job is to help to bring it here. But, but how do we have the Prince of Peace now? How can we have peace on earth now? We have peace when we rejoice in the Lord. We have peace when we submit like they did the first Christmas, like the wise men and the shepherds and Joseph and Mary, and they submitted to the government of peace. So they followed a star, and they obeyed the angels, and Joseph took Mary home to be his wife, and Mary said, may it be to me as you have spoken, even as they were greatly troubled. And if you're looking for a word for that, it's, it's called faith. We need to submit to the government of peace. And then we can have the peace of God that transcends all understanding and it will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus in the midst of our National Lampoon movie. Okay? We are going to lead into a time of worship and, and peace and communion. This is one of the last things Jesus said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. If this is the year for you to submit to the government of peace, tell Jesus you're in during this time. I need you. I need you to be the prince of peace in my life. My... Uh, my grandkids are adorable. I don't know if you know that. So this is a video of George Timothy, one who's named for me, um, randomly coming up with a Bible verse from Sunday school. And what he says, because he's a little hard to understand and has peanut butter on his face, is he's quoting from Joshua 1, 5, and 6, which says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Take some peace from this today. So will you say it for me? You, I will never leave you or defend you. Be down in the grave. Very good.
<laughs> See what I mean? I, I got it. I mean, he's going to be a preacher. He's two and a half. You got it? Listen, you, you can decide whether you want to survive Christmas with a little help from Jack Daniels, or you can decide to have faith in the God who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, even at Christmas time. You can camp out here. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. Submit to the Prince of Peace. Father, I just want to ask that you'd be with us right now. Um, It is such a crazy time at Christmas. And we've just come through Thanksgiving, and hopefully we've had a few moments to stop and to be grateful for the things that you've done. And we head into Christmas, and we look forward to it so much. Some people have had their trees up since Halloween, for crying out loud, and they've been playing the music, and all of it is so fun, and it is the most wonderful time of the year. But at the same time, it's the highest time for anxiety and depression. It's the highest time for people to feel lonely and to be afraid and to be down. Partially because we've got all these expectations and we do things to ourselves and our own schedules, but partly just because we're greatly troubled because the story we thought we were going to live out isn't living out the way we thought it was going to. Lord, will you help us? to just take a moment as we worship, as we stop and take communion and realize, Jesus, that your life didn't work out really well either, that you had to go to the cross and die for me. But we're submitting to the Prince of Peace while we're in the circumstances and knowing that your government will never end and you will reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.